The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we so want the heartbeat of our lives to be about your worship, to worship in your light, to walk in your light. May this increasingly become our very heartbeat and what we're all about, all about you. Uh, Lord, would you take this time now as we explore your word, as we talk about you and your word, and uh, make this more so in our lives, that you are more and more the center of what we're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Hey, David, can, we sing, can I switch songs? Can we do that one at the end? Okay, thanks. Sorry. Got that, Becker? All right. Okay, um, I try not, I mentioned this before, I try not to bring up inconsequential things. Hey, I said that pretty well. Uh, that would offend somebody and therefore have you not listen to me. And I'm going to start with just a minute talking about the football game yesterday. Just a minute. I know there's a couple of Ohio State fans. Uh, let's see, I don't know if I saw Josh here today. He's not here. Dennis is here. Uh, then a, a, any other Ohio State fans? Just, oh, there we go. We got a couple. Uh, I don't want to be offensive at all. I'm sure you guys are mature enough. You're here today, even though you knew Jim was going to wear his obnoxious sweater. Uh, and, and you came anyway. I'm glad that you have that level of maturity. Just so you all know, too, I don't. <laughs> so, so if there are any Baltimore Ravens fans in the room, if you'll see me afterwards, I will give you a list of local churches that you know. I'm just, uh, just kidding, I hope. Uh, but I think they're mature enough. But uh, watching the game, yesterday, um, I couldn't help but notice the, I forgot his name again, Henderson, running back for Ohio State. Uh, one drive in particular, he kind of dominated, and they just had a lot of views of him. And across his little bridge of his nose here on the black, he had written a verse, kind of Tim Tebow-ish uh, across there. And, you know, I saw it a few times. I thought, I wonder what that verse is. You got to look it up there. And, of course, I always watch football with my Bible in my hand. So I... I <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I pulled that out and looked that up. And the verse actually is that we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, that was the verse that he had from 2 Corinthians. I thought that was pretty good. But I also thought to myself, you know, Tim Tebow would always have the John 3.16, which is kind of the gospel. Here you go. God so loved the world. If anybody look it up, if anybody were to look up that verse, you know, okay, what, they, what exactly does that mean that we walk by faith? You know, kind of explain it. And I think there's a lot of things like that that are like great phrases. I mean, we love that. And that's special. We walk by faith. We live this life by faith. We walk in grace. We, walk, we have a new life. We have this Jesus life now. Okay, what in the world does that mean? Okay, how does that play out today in our lives? And uh, I think what the book of Galatians does a lot is it tells us how that plays out. And say, okay, here's what it looks like. You know you're saved by grace uh, through faith. And that's the only way that you can have a relationship with God is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, by his grace, by his gift. That's the only way you're not going to earn it. But you keep retreating back to this other life. Uh, this life that is not a grace life, that is not a life of faith. And I want to kind of tell you about that. I want to explain that to you. So we're going to pick it up in the middle of uh, chapter 3. Uh, remember, of course, that the uh, chapter divisions are, are not inspired. In fact, we'll see as we change chapters today that uh, Paul's just continuing the same thought. But well, we're going to talk about karma or charis today. 
Okay. Why, you say? Uh, well, we'll see in a little bit because this is kind of a main point that I want you to see. Most, most of you are familiar with the word karma. I actually was looking up these words uh, to make sure I was spelling right and had the right word and had the right meaning and everything like that. When I Googled the word karma in today's culture, guess what the first three things that came up were? Some Taylor Swift song. Uh, that was all it was. That, that, that was the kar karma message there, but we're not really going to talk about that. We're going to get back to karma. Karis, on the other hand, can be spelled differently. can be spelled C-H-A-R-I-S, which is the Greek word for grace. So we either live a karma-based life or a grace. Now, I took the K, first of all, because it went with karma. And secondly, that's my granddaughter's name. That's how she spells it is with a K. Uh, so we went with that. But we are going to live the life of by grace or we're going to live a life by karma. And we'll see that as we go through. So... This is Galatians chapter 3, beginning verse number 19. Uh, he's been telling them, hey, it's not all about keeping the law. The law can't save you. So then why then is the law? And uh, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring, and this is a reference that we had from last week, the offspring of Abraham, who is Jesus, until he should come to whom the promise has been made. And it was put in place through the angels by an intermediary. And now that intermediary, that would be Moses, implies more than one, but God is one. Okay, that's a little complicated there. Let's read a little bit more, and then we'll go back. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. We said that last week. Does this law that came 430 years after the covenant that was given to Abraham, that promise of uh, being justified, being made righteous through faith, does the law do away with it? Well, certainly not. Listen to this next phrase. This is awesome. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. If there had been a law that could give life, if keeping the law, obeying the law, doing all the things you're supposed to, if that could give life, guess what? It can't. That's the message real plain. If there had been one that could give life. No, life, spiritual life is found in Jesus Christ through faith. That's the only place life is found. It's not going to be found through the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. Uh, someone has said it, it's, it's kind of like uh, sin is the bars that we're in under, uh, but the scripture is the warden that comes along and makes sure that, uh, you know, that we understand uh, that, we, that we're captive there so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Okay, Christ is going to come. We're going to understand we're going to be just, justified by faith. In the meantime, we have this guardian. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under the guardian, for in Christ Jesus we're the sons of God through faith. Now, I want to stop with our, our text there for a second. We're going to come back and pick it up in a minute. But that first question or that first little phrase I want to highlight from our text is, why the law? Why was it given uh, to begin with? What is the point of it? And one of the things that we need to understand is, is it is given partly to show us that we can not keep it. Okay, remember that phrase again. If there's any way you could get spiritual life through keeping the law, you'd have done it by now. If the law could in any way do that, but you can't. What it does is show us that we need uh, a remedy beyond the law because we are in uh, slaves to sin. We're still in, in that prison. You say, well, I'm not a slave to sin. Okay, well, then stop sinning. 
Okay? Never sin again. There you go. That's simple. You can prove that there's no bondage that comes with sin. All you have to do is never sin again. And you can tell. No, don't text me this afternoon when you mess up. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, but it is to show us then that we couldn't keep it. And this is actually a phrase from the King James in this passage that it is, a, it is to bring us to Christ. The Bible calls it in the ESV, which we read, a guardian. It's also called a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It's also called a tutor. But when you look at the word in Greek, the visual image that they always had of it is this, uh, it would, like a tutor, like a personal teacher, and that teacher always had a stick. Okay, I always had a rod. If you, whatever, if you grew up, you know, with the old Catholic uh, school nun or, or whatever like that, whatever image you get there, uh, the guardian, the law is that, that, kind of that stick there like that. Okay, so the law then is bad. No, no, we're not saying that at all. Is the law bad? No, the law is good. It, it kind of uh, held a place, if you will, for Jesus Christ or until he came. You know, we've been talking about this idea of rituals that people get wrapped up in, fallen ceremony and ritual. Not bad. But when they become bad, remember, is when they take the place of Jesus Christ. Same with the rules. There are some rules we want to have in our life. I would imagine there are rules that all of us have in our life to some degree, but when they take the place of that relationship to Christ, that's where it's a problem. The same with rituals. So is the law bad? No, but the law was never intended. It was never intended to, to be our standing before God. Keeping our law is just not how we find that relationship with him. So let's, let's go on and see what else he says, because he's been saying, okay, now we've been set free from the law. How are we set free? What's going to happen here for uh, as many of you were baptized in Christ, you have now put on Christ. Okay, now, and in this, there's no Jew or Greek, there's no slave or, f or free, there's no male or female, for all are one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Okay, the second phrase that I want to highlight from that is that we are baptized in Christ. You know, again, with my weird little personality here, I get amused by... Uh, I'll, I'll look these up. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen these, uh, Adam or David or anybody, worship blunders. Worship blunders. I like to watch them blunder in church. We've never had anything happen here, uh, but they have some worship blunders that go on. Like, you know, some guy will be playing the drums and his little sound booth collapses on top of him. And now I find that very amusing. Uh, or, or a guy's playing a guitar uh, back there and a, and a plant is attacking him the whole time. You know, he's pushing it up and trying to play his guitar because some plant on stage fell over. I think my favorites are when somebody's praying and a guy's trying to be stealthy and get up on the platform behind him and he trips or something and knocks a bunch of stuff over. I love to watch the expression on the guy praying's face like, oh, brother, uh, like that. But, uh, you know, I get amused by different things like that. I also get amused by baptismal bloopers. Um, the one I read about this week, I, I particularly like that this one guy was baptizing a guy that was 96 years old. He wanted to be baptized at 96. The guy had, he was on oxygen. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and the the pastor was like, well, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have to get baptized. Maybe a little. No, he said, I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized. He said, okay. So the pastor took him down into the tank and he thought, you know, I ain't sticking this guy underwater because, uh, you know, I don't want, you know, paramedics rushing in and everything like that. So he took him down and just left his head out, you know, and brought him back up. And the guy started out of the tank, this 96-year-old 90, guy, and he's walking out there and he felt his head and, he's, and he goes, wait a minute. 
Did my head go under because I'm not wet? And the pastor said, well, you know, no, I didn't put your head under. And the guy goes, get me under. Ah, I'm going for the whole thing. Uh, he wanted to make sure that he was under. That word, remember that word baptize? We talked about this when we baptize. And the reason why as a church we practice immersion is because it actually means immerse. Uh, that's where that's the Greek word is baptizo. Uh, we just made up an English word that sounded like it and got the word baptized. But if you translate it, it would actually be immersed. So what the what is saying here is we are immersed in Christ. And this kind of immersion, not water immersion, but this kind of immersion is what is essential for salvation. Uh, is that you get done completely. It says now you're putting on Christ, you're getting a whole new set of clothing. Uh, and basically it is this idea, okay, we just sang that phrase in this what caught my attention. Uh, I was going to go with that other song because I remember at the end we say I'm following after you uh, with my life laid down I surrender all but uh, when we sang that to, uh, that last song you know it is it is that idea of everything is his. He is the center. He is the uh, of every area of my life. Center of my family life. Center of my personal life. Center of my work life. Uh, center of every area of my life that Jesus become the center there that I become immersed in in him because he is not we are not just associated with him he becomes our very identity we are identified in him he is a child of god so are we he is righteous so are we we have his righteousness he has full access to the father so do we he walks in victory over darkness something else that we sang about there so do we. Okay, only in Jesus Christ. And in our text, too, it went on and said, you know, in Jesus, we're all on the same footing. There's no division between the Greek and the Jew. There's no division between the male and the female. There's no division between the, uh, what, a slave and the free. Uh, he said, basically, we're all on the same footing there. And, you know, I was kidding about the whole sports thing there, and I do appreciate that, you know, we don't get violent or, I ain't going to church today. Notre Dame lost to Michigan, you know, uh, uh, you know that, that, that type of thing. But there are a lot of areas of our lives where these things that are in Consequential become more important uh, than the bond that we have in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a political issue, and, and my political party, I associate more with those people than I do with those that I am, uh, in, my identity is in Christ with. And that doesn't, you know, or my race. You know, and I'm going to associate more with people uh, that uh, are of a different, uh, you know, they're not in Christ, but I agree with them in those areas. It becomes a little sad there because we have so much in common in Christ. We have eternity in common as his sons and daughters. We have society in common as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have history in common as uh, part of God's eternal plan. We have so much in common in Christ. That becomes our identity. Okay, we're immersed in him. So the whole idea, again, is, okay, that, that was holding a place for a row. The rituals, the rules, good. And by, by the way, again, here's how you know if a rule is good or not. Does it help me in my relationship with God? If it does, then it's good. How about a ritual? Sure, you want to go through a little thing like that. It helps me in my relationship with God. Then, then we can say it's good. But when those things have taken the place, and that's what continually happens in our hearts, we go back to these rules and we go back to these rituals probably because they're easier. We, we find, you know, we can kind of practice this and get it over with then go live our lives however we want. And rather than being immersed in Christ and have him be all part of our lives. Did you hear all that? Because what I just said, I didn't know I was going to say, and it sounded pretty good. Uh, but, but is that idea? 
idea of our lives being immersed in him completely. He, he, wants, he wants all of our lives. Okay, let's read a little bit more of our text uh, to kind of get to our next phrase. I mean, okay, so he's going into chapter 4 now. So he said, uh, let me say a little bit more about this. I mean that the heir, okay, as long as he is a child is no different from a slave. Basically, uh, if a child there in the, in the house, uh, he, he has a destiny that is far greater than the servant. But the servant probably has more freedom at that time. Am I making sense? The servant, the butler, whatever like that, can leave and go home and he has some free time. Okay, the child doesn't experience that, but he has a destiny that's far beyond that. He is no different from the slave, though he is the owner of everything. That's his destiny. But he is under the guardians and the managers until the date set by the father. Okay, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Now, he's going to go on and say we're not, uh, okay, we've grown up in Christ now. But I wanted to talk about this phrase here for a second, the elementary principles of the world that enslaves us. Okay, and this is where my karma and charis come in. Okay, karma. You know, hopefully, you know, it has its roots in the you know, Middle East and Buddhism and Hinduism or, or whatever like that. But at the same time, it also has a great deal of truth in it. And what I mean by that is um, it is a solid principle of life. In fact, Galatians chapter 6 later on is going to have this phrase, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. It is a basic principle of life that what, if you want to say what goes around, comes around. Uh, you get what you have coming, you know, that, that idea. And, you know, that's not really wrong to think that, you know, that, uh, you know, I've got some good karma or some bad karma based on my behavior. What I mean is this. I mean, if you spend your whole life treating people like dirt, guess what you can expect, how, people, how you can expect people to treat you? If you spend, uh, spend your whole life being, you know, generous and giving, guess what, it, you know, a lot of times turns around and ha happens to you. Uh, we spend, uh, you know, our whole life driving terribly. Then, you know, best case scenario, you get a lot of tickets. What goes around comes around. Uh, worst case scenario, you have accidents. Okay. But uh, it, it's that type of thing that just makes sense. This is a Solid principle. It's an elementary, it's a basic principle that everybody gets. You understand that uh, you get what you have coming. That is a principle of life, but where we get into trouble is when we carry that over into the Christian life. And what I mean by that is God has a different principle now that we're operating on, and it is the principle of grace. If we want to live, you know, with a karma idea, I get what I have coming all the time. It actually becomes a prison and it fights against this idea of living in grace. Okay, you say, but it makes sense. It sure does. It's a terrible thing to say on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. You overeat? Finish the statement. Uh, a terrible thing to say, th say this weekend. But, you know, those, those, that principle still makes sense. But when I carry that over into my spiritual life, it actually becomes a prison because I don't operate on that. There's a whole new principle. And that principle is the principle of grace, which basically says this, I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm not getting what I deserve. And I am thankful I am not getting what I deserve. Because as I said before, I don't keep the law perfectly. So I am thankful that I don't get what I deserve. When people live with an entitled mentality, usually they're miserable. They're never going to be happy with any, anything. I deserve better. I get this. 
I am thankful that I do not get what I deserve as far as the wages of sin. I'm thankful for that. That's not how it operates. And in God's system of grace, there is no amount of good that I can do to bring justification. There is no amount of bad that I can do to bring condemnation. The system is totally different. It is a system of grace. I'll say, uh, people say, you know, what's the secret to a happy marriage? I always say, well, for Frances and I, it's very simple, low expectations. Uh, as long as she keeps her expectation lows, we're happy. Uh, we're doing pretty well. When she starts to expect too much, we're not so, quite so happy. Um, now, I'm kidding, somewhat at least. Uh, the truth is, to, to phrase that more accurately, the secret is thankfulness. Okay, when we stay thankful for where we are, when we're uh, when we don't have the sense of entitlement and all the time I deserve better. So when we get into this idea and this this grabs a hold of our life, you know, man, I deserve so much better. I deserve so much more. Now, um, there's a story that I want to try to act out in, in in more modern times or explain to you that is found in the book of Matthew chapter 20. And uh, let's say that I, uh, my roof is about 26 years old, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to needing a new roof. I think when I do it, I have a guy who's going to head up the project, and uh, we'll, uh, you know, I'll hire some other people. Uh, not cheap labor. I'm going to pay, okay? Okay, Tate, I'm going to try to make it three more years. By then, you ready to work on a roof? 300 bucks a day. How's that sound? Tate. Talk to me, boy. Ah, you're killing the illustration here. 300 bucks a day. You good with that? Does that sound good? I mean, that's not great, but that's pretty good. That's a decent wage. Grayson, you going to help me? Okay, uh, here's the thing. Grace, uh, Tate and I start working at 8 in the morning, and I realize <laughs> he ain't that good. Uh, so I think we, we need some more help. So uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to bring Grayson in, and uh, he come in, comes in about 10. Okay, now when I get to uh, noon, lunchtime, I realize there's no way we're going to get done with this roof. So uh, you guys, you guys good? 300 bucks a day or 300 bucks? Okay, they come in at noon. Okay, we're doing pretty good now. Uh, we're making some progress, but I'm still not sure. So at 2 o'clock, I hire one more person to come in, uh, and they come in. You okay, Lily? Can you come in and help? Okay, okay. We get Lily to finish things up and actually get this, this running. Get done at 4 o'clock. I walk over to Lily, and I say, here, Lily, here's your 300 buck. Here you go. And she says, thank you. Uh, by this time, Tate, you're thinking, sweet. Yeah, I mean, he's watching this whole thing. 300 bucks. I worked all stinking day. She was only here two hours. So the next set, I'm going to pay you guys, okay? Here you go, 300 bucks. And you're thinking a little bit like, wait a minute. We work twice as long as our sister, but we only got, uh, but the same, but at the same time, 300 bucks is 300 bucks. You'll take it. But you're thinking still, you came in the morning, you're going to make up pretty good. So I hand you your 300 bucks and you think, oh man, uh, I thought we would do better. By the time I get to Tate, you know, and he's had this great vision of, uh, he's been doing the math in his head and he's thinking he's bringing in 1200 bucks or, or something like that. He, he's thinking he, he's ready. And I hand him his 300 bucks. You got to think he's going to be a little bit like that stinks. Because that just is not quite fair. That's, that's a very uh, accurate depiction of, a, of the story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter uh, 20. And what he was saying largely is this, okay? It, it was an illustration of God's grace. And listen to this because it may not sit all that well. God is gracious and he's good to everyone. But God is more, if you want to say, gracious and good to others. Here's what I'm saying about life, and this might be hard to digest. Life here on this earth ain't fair. 
Okay. You say, oh, no, it's got to be. No, it is not. We all have different levels of talent. Okay. All have different levels of good looks. All have different levels of, of uh, you know, even our background and everything like that. Life is not perfectly fair. And if we look for everything to be fair, and if we look for me to get what I think I deserve all that time, we're going to live miserably. And we're going to live enslaved to these elemental principles. Now, again, I'm not criticizing the principle, and it makes sense. It's good. We're going to look at it again in Galatians chapter 6. It's a solid principle. You know, you live a certain way, you're going to have some things come back uh, to you that way. But in our relationship to God, we don't get what we deserve. And I'm thankful. And, and, and if we can get a, grab a hold of this truth, I was talking to a fella one day, I remember sitting in a restaurant at breakfast to me and I, I, or, or with him, and, and uh, he said to me, well, I said, I said, hey, most importantly with this, God, God wants you close to him. And I remember him saying, I don't deserve to be close to God. I just don't deserve it. And I said, you know what? You are absolutely right. You don't deserve it, and I don't deserve it, and none of us deserve it. But, that, but that's what, what I'm saying. We don't operate on the basis of getting everything that we deserve, and we ought to be glad we don't. That's those fundamental principles, and yes, they make some sense in life, but in the Christian life, we better turn it over and say, wait a minute, it's a whole new ball game when grace comes in. And if you think about it, this cuts the legs out of my pride. I can't live a life full of pride and think I'm better than anybody else when I understand the, the God's grace. It cuts the legs out of my fear of condemnation because I never did anything to earn it anyway, and I don't have to worry about if I slip up, uh, mess up a little bit. It's gonna, it comes like that. This is so awesome if I can actually live this life. And, and, and hopefully getting this thinking in our mind, you know, again, okay, well, what does it look like to live by faith? What does it look like to live the grace life? Well, we got to realize that I'm not getting what I deserve, and we got to realize that this life here on earth is not going to be perfectly fair. And if I look for it, I'm going to spend some time being, being miserable. I lived based on God's system of grace. Now he goes on and explains a little bit more of what that uh, means in our lives here. But when the fullness of time had come, at the exact time God decided, here's what God did. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Merry Christmas, uh, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Two big words in there, redeem, adoption. Redemption and adoption. Here's what he is giving us now. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature, uh, I'm sorry, that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back to that which is weak and worthless. It doesn't have the power that you need. Uh, it has no value. Those elementary principles of the world, don't go back to those. You had been a slave to them, and now you've gone back to them again. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. And I want to stop there for a minute and just talk about another phrase in there. We have received adoptions as sons. Okay? We are therefore now heirs and not slaves. I just think about this for a second. About, uh, I think it was six or seven years ago, 
I decided that I wanted to get my uh, CDL to drive for the Edwardsburg schools. Three reasons, ready? Number one, and this really was the first one, uh, connecting to the community around here. Um, the Edwardsburg is not, you know, a big city where you go down to the uh, Chamber of Commerce or anything like, like that. The best way to connect the community, a lot of things centered on the schools. So I thought I want to have uh, some connection to the school there. I thought about joining the historical museum down there, but there's only three people that I think I'd get to be friends with. Uh, so anyway, I, I wanted to plug in there. Secondly, we had a bus here, and, and I had let my CDL lapse, so I needed to get paid for the training. Good plan. Uh, and thirdly, and it's kind of become this now, a little extra money is nice every once in a while. It's Christmas time. I'm, I might drive a trip this week uh, like that. But anyway, when I started off the first couple of years, you know, I'd get these calls, you know, at 4.30 in the morning, you know, we need you. And I'd go in there and stumble around in the dark and try to find kids, stuff like that. I've, I've become a little snooty about my driving. I'm not driving near as much anymore. Basically, I like to drive if there's another adult on the bus, whether it's a coach or a teacher at a field trip, because I'm not real good at controlling elementary children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might have been the biggest understatement you'll hear in a long time. Uh, I am not very good at all at controlling. You know, teenagers, they don't care. They're just on their phone paying their own attention. I don't care what they're doing. They don't care what I'm doing. It's all good. Uh, but when you when you get the elementary kids, it's like, yeah, uh, and, and I don't really know. So anyway, I drive less and less and less. In fact, I've kind of said to them, yeah, I can take them in the morning when they're half asleep, but I'm not driving elementary kids home anymore. They're too wound up. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Now, I've just decided I can set them aside. I can put them aside, no matter, you know, because if they're bad, I don't have to deal with them, very simply. However, we have had, I mentioned this recently, we have had a lot, and we're thankful for this. We've had a lot of pop, pop and Gigi time lately. There have been times when little darlings are not little darlings. <laughs> uh, I have never once said, that does it. I'm done. <laughs> I never want to see you again. Uh, great. I could say that to the elementary kids on the bus. I'm not driving this bus anymore. Uh, they're not mine. They're not my kids. You know, when I get into that sense, it's just a totally different story. Okay, I can retire from bus driving. I'm not planning on retiring from being dad or pop or anything like that because those are my kids. I want you to think about the, the permanence of the relationship that God has called us into. And even when you think about that grace, this isn't going to end. He's adopted us, folks. This is a done deal. It's a permanent deal. This relationship is, is solid there. Uh, you're not slaves that can be fired or dismissed or traded away, but you are heirs. Uh, that's what he has called us into. He has brought us into that relationship. Not, and when you see this, you, know, you see this phrase, we call him, and the word there is translated accurately, daddy. Okay, our father, daddy. Now, I don't really recommend, and this, this might be just, just me talking personally here for a second. I don't really re recommend that you you, you can if you want, but that you get too familiar with God. You know, like, hey, Daddy-O, you know, that type of thing. So that's why I put up here that uh, we don't want to be disrespectful with our address of our Heavenly Father. However, however, don't miss the intimacy of it, what he's inviting to you to in a relationship. Our Father who art in heaven, don't miss the intimacy of that child-to-father relationship. Okay, that's what, that's what we want to grab onto and realize this is what he has called us to. Uh, he has called us to this closeness. This is what he wants. A higher level, level of spirituality is never going to be found in keeping more rules. It is always going to be measured in our closeness to Jesus Christ. 
So the apostle Paul wrote, and he said, don't turn back. Don't go back to those things that are weak. And Why do we go back? Why do we go back? Why do you think we like the rules better sometimes? I think it's easier. Give me a list. And I, I, I do think, too, then you can kind of separate that part of your life. Okay, I did this. I kept these rules. I, I performed this, this ritual. And, you know, you almost have that mindset, you know, almost, oh, you behaved wrong. Well, now you better go in and, and go to, you know, whatever. Go to the service and, and put some money in the offering plate or anything like that. You almost have that mindset that you can separate that area of your life out. And Jesus doesn't call us to a life that is separate where he's a part of our life. He says, yeah, I have emerged you in me. Okay, everything is about my relationship with you. And I wanted to throw one more thought at you here. In the last phrase, Paul said, I'm a little worried about you. I'm a little worried about you. Have I labored in vain? I looked up that word labored, and, and it was just such, such a word for such intense work that he worked so hard. We have this idea, and pastors have this idea, foolish idea, that if we talk too much about grace, and I say to you, no, it's not about it, then, I, then like I, lo I lose some leverage, you know what I'm saying? Okay, hey, if you don't do that, uh, you know, God's not going to bless you, you know, that, that type of idea. And I, throw, I go back to those elementary principles. You know, if you do that, you know, you're going to be in trouble. If you don't, you know, do you, do you know what I'm saying? And pastors sometimes will use that for manipulation, and the devil throws us at, at that all the time, uh, kind of like you're not deserving of this. And, you know, when the devil comes and says you're not deserving of this, you know what we ought to say? You are right. You are so right. I am not deserving of this, but God is a God of grace. And God has given me that which I don't deserve, and I still operate in that system. Do I deserve? Do you know what? I, I mean, I had, honestly, Grayson, I had a lot of years of my life, almost from the time I was your age, where I just didn't really follow the Lord with my heart. I, I did in my actions. I went through a lot of motions, but a lot of times I didn't follow the Lord with my heart. And sometimes I feel like, man, all those years are wasted and everything like that. Does God even want me now? And the answer is yes, he does. He is the God of grace, and my relationship with him is based on grace. It has never been based on performance. There is no law that can make me right with God, or the keeping of that law can make me right with God. It's never there. It is all about his grace, and I am not afraid to tell you that because I look at the Apostle Paul here, and I say he worked his full head off with the understanding uh, that grace is good, and that's really what happens. If I really get a grasp, the other great example of that is a guy by the name of John Newton. He wrote a song. He also invented a cookie. No, he didn't. Uh, but he did, write, he did write a song you may have heard of, Amazing Grace. You ever hear that one? Okay. And, said, and, uh, and he understood the incredible uh, depth of God's reach into his life and where he was. And that became the driving force in his life. He wasn't trying to win back the favor of God. He wasn't trying to make up for the bad things that he had done. He was responding to the fact that the God of all grace, the God of all love, has reached into his life in the person of Jesus Christ and touched and changed him and forgiven him and given him eternity secure with him. He was responding to that, and he gave his all to Christ because of that amazing grace. And that's the picture that we need to keep coming back to. As I go through Galatians, I'm going to be repeating that a lot. Why? Because we go back. Okay? Apostle Paul in our text, he asked that question. Why do you keep going back to that? We go back to that system of works again. We go back to that system of ritual again. And Jesus says more than anything, you know what I want? I want that relationship with you. That's where it is. I want your life immersed in me.
So the worship team's going to come back up, and we're going to sing one of those last two songs. I probably won't know the difference. Um, but uh, are, we, are we singing the one then with, with my life will lay down, I surrender all? No, that was the one we moved from. Uh, but we are, are going to sing, um, you know, just, just with a time of praise to him in, in everything. With that understanding again that, you know, it's kind of like I want to keep saying this over and over again. I know that doesn't help. My wife needs to tell me, stop, everything like that. This is so powerful to me because it's my story, folks. It's my story. I lived Christian life. I understood hey, I need Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin. And I was a teenager and I understood that, but I kept going back to this idea of somehow now it's all on me. Somehow now my relationship with him is based on works. I kept going back to that in my thinking. So I want br to brainwash you uh, the other way to get you to understand it's not about karma, folks. It's not about getting what you deserve. It is about grace. And the fact that we don't get what we deserve. Isn't that awesome? Let's praise him together as you stand and sing. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church. Or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.